You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to the Day 7 review of our SM Media Euro 2020 show. I'm Scott McPide, delighted to be your host as always. Joined as always by Shankers. Shankers, how are we today? Hi, I'm good. Another good day's... Uh... Good day at the Euros, so aye, exciting. And we're joined by a very special guest from his own content channel, Football CFB, Carl McFadden. Carl, pleasure to welcome you on to the show. Thanks for coming on. Delighted to be on, and, and as Shankers has said there, it's been another good day at the Euros, and, and hopefully tomorrow will be an even better day, as, as I'm sure all three of us are, are desperate for a victory. <laughs> we are going to get tore into the England-Scotland preview later on in the show, but we'll start with the action today. We kicked off with Ukraine's 2-1 win over North Macedonia. Yarmolenko and Yaramchuk with the goals for Ukraine and Alyoski pulled a goal back for North Macedonia. Callum, massive win for Ukraine. Were you, were you surprised at how that game went? I, I expected Ukraine to win. Um, I'll be honest with you, I think North Macedonia have actually performed well at the Euros given the fact that they're the lowest ranked country within it. I thought it was another performance where they, they had shots on target. They were getting forward. They had the possession was was almost half and half in the end. So for me, I think they can be proud of the performance. But I did expect Ukraine to win the game, and 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 they obviously went on to do that. Yarmolenko, I have to say, has been very impressive for them so far. I know he's one of their main men, but he's had a tough season at West Ham, despite the fact West Ham obviously uh, performed really well and probably above expectations. He had a few niggling injuries, but glad to see him doing well because he's a player that. When he's on his best form, with that left foot, he's, he's great to watch. Definitely. Shankers, are you surprised at how this result went? And do you think North Macedonia have been quite unlucky in their, their two games so far? I think, first and foremost, they've put up a good account of themselves. They've lost both games, but as a, the lowest-ranked uh, team coming out of the competition, and they, they've got a pretty tricky group for, for their standards. I mean, Austria and... Uh, Ukraine are, are two kind of stuffy sides. Uh, they've got a few individual players with, with good quality, so I think they've got a good account themselves. I, I did see Ukraine uh, winning this one, to be fair, and it sets up for a, for a good last game with Ukraine and Austria. I know we were talking in our group chat, and, and Rory says he can see what result is going to happen a mile away in that game. Both four points, maybe see both teams through, so... I don't know if there's a wee gentleman's agreement there, but uh, that should be a, an exciting game, I think. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to it. Netherlands are looking good for, for top of that group anyway. Nah. Obviously, Ukraine are now in three points. North Macedonia have been, have been eliminated, but Ukraine going into the next game, is, as Shankar says, against Russia, and North Macedonia will play Holland, just looking for a bit of pride more than anything. We spoke to a Ukrainian football expert by the name of Adam Pate, who is very well regarded with Ukrainian football. This is our exclusive interview with him regarding Ukraine. So we're joined in this portion of the show with the Ukrainian football expert, Adam Pay. Adam, welcome to the SM Media Euro Football Show. It's a pleasure to welcome you on. Uh, cheers, Scott. Thanks for inviting us. It's always always great to talk about Zabina. What a great day to do it. Definitely. <laughs> Big result for Ukraine today, obviously beating North Macedonia 2-1, puts them back into the, the driving seat to qualify. How big was that result after the, the Holland game? I mean, not only because of the Holland game, but you know, Ukraine now, it was a sort of six-game losing run mm -hmm. that we'd been on since 2012, and we've snapped that, which is huge to get that monkey off the back. You know, the Holland game, we got the goals, first goal since 2012 again. Another great to get that unwanted record gone. Now we can focus on being what we're good at, which is playing football and playing some nice football as well. So it's, yeah, huge, huge win. Second half, very disappointing performance. Um, there's a lot of concerns about the team, but the victory is most important. And hopefully, hopefully, Touchwood, round of 16. You know, get, get, get out of the group for the first time. Be a huge success. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the tune they went to now up, and was it was there a bit of a kind of overconfidence that the game was won, and the the delay kind of North Macedonia get back into it? It felt like it. I, I you know I was making some notes uh, after the game. I also put the question mark about the heat. You mm -hmm. know, the 
it's very very hot down in Bucharest and uh, you're talking to people down there it's it's one of those where the players that play at high intensity they weren't going to last 90 minutes Yaromolenko bless him when he came off he looked like he was on his last legs and he's had the least intense season out of most of the squad and you could see there was that uh, when Shevchenko made the substitutes it felt like there was sort of a re-injection of energy then just to get us to get us to the final line. So it, there was a mixture of complacency and sort of classic Ukrainian, yeah, we've got to stress everyone's nerve levels and we've got to find a way to grasp the feet from the jaws of victory, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I question the heat as well. And, it, I mean, it's, yeah, there's that sort of second game mentality, it's... Most of the guys played on Sunday night, so there was a, probably a bit of fatigue in there. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Yarmolenko and Yaramchuk have scored in both games, and the likes of Malinovsky obviously missed a penalty today. But who's the kind of main players in this Ukraine team over the past two games? Malinovsky's a player I'm a huge fan of, especially after the season mm-hmm. at Atalanta. Who kind of sticks out to you in this Ukraine team to take them forward? I mean, I've been so pleased with Yarmolenko. He, mm-hmm. you know, there was. Pre-tournament, pre uh, the Cyprus friendly in particular, because we'd not seen much of him. He'd been injured mm-hmm. or he'd been out of the West Ham team. And there was a lot of concerns, you know, question marks about his age and the like. But he's been outstanding in both games. He really has. He's, you know, he's captain and he's leading by example out there. He's he's putting performances that haven't been seen in the, you know, in the EPL for the last couple of years, and it's a real pleasure to see. If it's his final tournament, if he's playing again in two years' time, he's he's going to be, you know, all credit to him for what he's doing. Molina's a bit of an enigma at the moment. He's <laughs> been very disappointing. There's been a lot of discussion post-game across all the medias, and um, we saw with his free kick in the game, his cracking free kick yeah. that he took from right out on the touchline, and, mm-hmm. you know, if that had been maybe a couple inches higher, we've been talking about, you know, one of the goals of the century sort of yeah. thing. But it wasn't. And his penalty was poor. And some of his decision-making has been poor. But also the way he's been used by Shevchenko, I don't think is ideal. Doesn't get the best out of him. And, you know, throughout 2021, he hasn't really stood out for the national team. Yaramachuk's now into a, a great great from the form, you know, he scored goals, you know, three goals in the last three games for the national team. And it's great to see he's known to double figures as, you know, national team, as my good friend Andrew said earlier, it's kind of maybe there's a glimmer of Shevchenko's successor finally, you know, nine years on since his last game. And uh, he's he he does look good for the future. He, he really does. He's had an outstanding tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there have been Premier League sort of uh, podcasters and that saying, hey, we wouldn't mind him in our team next year. He looks quite good, doesn't he? <laughs> he really does. Uh, defensively, got concerns. I think, you know, it is going to be a case of having to outscore the yeah. opposition if, if you know, f- for how far we go through this tournament. Yeah. Obviously, there's a there's a difficult time in the country, Ukraine. Is, it, is this kind of tournament bringing the, bringing the country together during these difficult times? Um. I think the, the kit issue certainly pulled yeah, people together. Yeah, I was going together. to ask about that. Was that yeah. was there a lot of controversy in the, that, that end from the Ukrainian side about that? I, if there, there, was, um, there was a lot of upset with how UEFA handled it and, you know, listening to the complaints and not understanding the big picture and of it. But as we saw today, you know, there was a lot of close-ups of the Ukrainian kit on TV before the game with the big kit on the pitch. And you can see the map there, Crimea's yeah. there, uh, Donetsk is there. So the map has been allowed to stay. It's, you know, these slogans have got a lot of credibility now. They've been officially recognised. So it's certainly been to the benefit. I mean, the great thing is that the kit sold out. Mm-hmm. You can't find it for love nor money. I'm get, I, I've had calls from people in England. I've had calls from people in Italy asking me, going, where can we get kits? We've got orders coming, people ordering to buy the dozens, you know. And I'm like, guys, in Ukraine, no one can find them either. It's just sold out left, right and centre. And it's become uh, 
certainly sort of roused the passion a bit more behind the national team than it had done, you know, before the kit scandal. And I think that was that was sort of the key thing that's got everybody behind the team this this time around. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it hadn't been for that, you know, a lot of people are kind of 50-50 about football, shall we say. You know, mm-hmm. it's take it or leave it. But it's now everyone's taking it and uh, loving it. What's the kind of hopes and expectations for the rest of the tournament? Um, it's, it's got to that stage now, isn't it, where we're all going, right, if we finish second, who are we likely to get? If we finish third, who are we likely to get? And we've got, it's, we've got this weird scenario, scenario, a all likelihood the Dutch are going to take the group and uh, end up playing potentially Germany, I think, in the knockout rounds, the way the draw's panning out. Now, second place uh, is due to play the winner of the Italian group in at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Which, um, Not exciting. Well, I, I'm sure it'd be a great experience for everyone there, but the results wise, we're not, we won't be very optimistic about it. And weirdly, uh, for, if we finish third and we're one of the, you know, the top four third places to go through, it's uh, either the winner of Group E or Group F. Now that's Group E's the Spain group, and Spain don't look that hot, do they? Yeah. And there's there's even a chance Slovakia could end up winning that group. So you're thinking, hang on, if we finish third. We could end up with a game in Glasgow against Slovakia. If we finish second, we could have to go to London and play Italy. And it's, well, let's just say we get to the round of 16 is the, you know, the expectation. The hope is a reasonable draw. And then if we get to the quarterfinals, that would be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, once you get to that. Who knows? Yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah, definitely. Final question. Obviously, Andrew Shevchenko is the, is the manager. Very, very successful player, particularly with his country and at club level. Mm. What's the can I, what's the thinking with Shevchenko? Is he going to kind of stick around after this tournament? Is there a lot of plans for the future with him? Uh, he's more than likely going to move on. He's you know he's been there now since uh, 2016. It's mm-hmm. five years, and the, the general you know sort of agreement the belief is that he's gonna look to move into club football into domestic football after the tournament there's uh, inklings of the italian leagues are being spoken about you know with his background at ac milan Mm -hmm. um i think there's certainly some sort of interest at that level and i think he's very eager now to say okay i'm ready to move on to the the next stage of his career and all credit to him he's done a great job you know, since 2016, the toy, you know, that tournament was very poor for Ukraine. And uh, coming out of it, he's, you know, sort of rejuvenized the national team ethos, got, got the supporters back on board, bled in a lot of young players. You saw, well, I think it's the second youngest average team at the tournament. Yeah. And it's, you know, it bodes well. They were 2019 World Cup winners, under 20 World Cup winners in Poland. So, you know, he's he's given you for chance. You know, Ilya Zabani at the back played both played both games. Eighteen years old, hadn't played a first team game at club level uh, at the start of this season, and here he is now as a regular in the national team. He he's given all the youngsters a chance, and it's great to see. And if he moves on, there's you know a good platform for the national team to be built upon over those, you know the next four year cycle. Uh, going forward so yeah all credit to him brilliant Adam thanks very much for joining us in the show it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we wanted to share with best wishes to Ukraine and we hope you enjoy the rest of the tournament ah, cheers same to you and uh, well I wish good luck for the tournament not too much uh, tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow night mate not too much then well yeah enjoy take care guys. thank you that was our exclusive interview with Adam Pate regarding Ukraine's hopes for the 20, Euro 2020. We'll move on to the second game of the day. Denmark 1, Belgium 2. Shankers, this was a classic game of two halves, but Denmark started like a freight train. Aye, they did so, and it was almost the... Well, it wasn't almost. It was the exact start they needed because they, that, that crowd that was in that stadium got right behind them and it gave them a lift, and... And they looked firmly in control. And obviously, as you said, it's going to be any more perfectly said a game of two halves. 
De Bruyne. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne comes on at half time, and and it's as if even just him in the presence of that right. team gives the rest of them a lift. And I, I said last night, I think they would maybe have enough to do without him, and it just shows you they did mean when they brought him and Hazard and stuff on. Belgium looked looked like the team we know they can be, and and as we said that they'll go far in the competition. I think. Uh, Six points out of six now. It's, it's looking a wee bit grim for, for Denmark. Uh, no points so so far. Uh, but Belgium looking looking good and, and looking worth their, their fancy. A few few people fancy them. I know on the previous show a couple of couple of boys says about about Belgium going far in the competition. So first first game they didn't didn't have De Bruyne and Hazard and, and they still looked really good. But just shows when. When the things aren't going their way and they've got players like that that you can bring off the bench, it just shows the quality and strength and depth that they, they have in our squad. Definitely. Denmark obviously started with a, an excellent goal from yeah, Yusuf Poulsen. Went in at half time and then obviously Kevin De Bruyne came on and basically just completely changed the game in its head. An excellent pass for Thorgan Hazard to get the equaliser and then he finishes it off with a brilliant goal, brilliant finish. Callum, what is it about this? about De Bruyne that just makes this Belgium team a far better threat than they were in the first game. They just De Bruyne is just a match winner, isn't he? He is. He, you're, you're spot on. He is a match winner. And I think what makes Belgium better when he plays, even Manchester City, his club team when he plays, is the fact that even if he's got a man close to him, he's willing to take the ball in, in tight positions. He's willing to take the ball anywhere really across the midfield. He's happy to drift when whenever he can and, and he can deliver an expert ball from whether it's a, a wide channel or whether it's from a more central area over the top or diagonally so he's, he's the sort of player who any team in this tournament would, would love to have Belgium have obviously gotten there was concerns over his fitness but the fact he's he's came on at half time he's changed that game is just it's just testament to him he, and, and you mentioned the fact about being a match winner he controls the tempo of a game and that's something that not many players can do and even if he's not scoring or assisting he can speed up Belgium's play or he can slow it down and and that's something that will be a dangerous weapon as they go further in this tournament because he's the sort of player that you look at Luka Modric and the impact he had when Croatia got in the World Cup final in 2018 De Bruyne is their Modric he's the guy who as I say can speed it up he can slow it down and when he needs to get involved in the action with a goal or a, or a crucial assist, he can do that as well. So with him fit, they'll absolutely go far. And, and I don't think many teams will want to come up against them. Belgium will be looking to complete their group with a 100% record. They play Finland and St. Petersburg. Whereas Denmark take on Russia, which could be a crunch tie that could seal the, that could seal the group. Shankers, do you give Denmark a chance to qualify with home advantage? Shankers, Denmark have got the advantage in the final game against Russia, whereas Belgium play Finland and St. Petersburg. Do you think Denmark could potentially take advantage of that home home crowd and get through to this last 16? I think the home crowd is an advantage. You've see, you seen that to start with when, when they scored the early goal and they got a lift. I, I don't know if it was more fans than, than some of the other games. It looked like a kind of full house almost in Copenhagen. But I was, as I was saying before, Denmark's got no points. It's, it's three points. Is that enough to get you through? I mean, I, I don't know. what Does it come down to goal difference of games played against? I, I'm not sure how, how it works. I think I think they kind of needed at least four points to give us a chance of getting through in, in third place. Uh, goal difference is a, is a swing as well. Say, say Finland lose to, to Belgium, which... No, what I say, I presume it will happen, but it, it, it could look lately. Denmark uh, could see themselves through it. It just depends. It's a really tough one to, one to call. I think Denmark will be up for it, definitely. And if, if they play to any standard that they've played today, I don't see why they can't go and beat Russia. No, definitely. It's going to be interesting, that final Group B games. Holland secured qualification to the last 16 with a convincing 2 0 win over Austria. Memphis Depay and Denzel Dumfries with the two goals. Callum, that Dutch team look good, don't they? They, they, they look good going forward in, in particular. I still think defensively they're a bit shaky and I think when they play against a higher class of opposition, I think their defensive frailties will be exposed. But 
In terms of going forward, I really like the fullbacks. I thought um, Van Anhol obviously was was decent tonight, but Dumfries has been the the standout of all the fullbacks that they've got. I think he's been mm-hmm. been one of the the players of the tournament so far. Um, obviously, he missed a sitter in the first game, but I thought he was really good tonight. Again, chips in uh, with a goal, which you're absolutely buzzing with from your from your fullbacks. I just, as I say, I just think defensively they will be exposed against better opposition but at the same time if they can keep scoring two goals or three goals a game then they might just give themselves a chance of at least going to extra time against some of the better teams or beating them in the 90 minutes which is the which is the main thing for me Wayne Aldum has to stay fit I think if there was to be an injury to him or he was to get suspended I think they would be in real trouble because he's been the real driving force for them going forward I know a lot of people focus on Memphis Depay and again he took his penalty well but but for me, Wijnaldum is the real driving force of the Dutch team in, in, in many senses. And I think he's someone who can can really dictate games again, like I talked about with De Bruyne, albeit he's not as good as De Bruyne. Um, but he can dictate games and he can chip in with a goal and an assist when, when you need one. So for me, if he can stay fit and they can continue their, their forward-thinking play, um, then, then I don't see why they couldn't go far. But as I say, really... I don't think they're going to go on and get a semi-final or a final because defensively they, they will get found out, in my opinion, against the likes of a France or an Italy. Shankers, what's your thought on this Dutch team? Uh, similar, similar to what Colin was saying. I think they've got a, kind of, a decent spine in a team. I think we we at the back. If, if they had Van Dijk as well, I know that they've no got him. So we delete at the back, Wijnaldum... De Jong in the middle, Depay playing off the whether he's playing off the striker or whether he's playing as as a, a number nine, uh, right up top. I think they've got a good spine. I think others chip in when I put them with was it Darun or Van Anholt in the left and Fries at right. But I, th- I think they have got good quality. It's just I think there are other teams with a lot no a lot better quality, but they there's just a lot there. Players set up positions and stuff like that. I think individually, if you were to dissect like the Italian team or the French team or the German team, I think individually in the positions, you could say all these squads are better. Belgium, even England, to a certain extent. But two wins out of two, confidence will be high. I, I didn't fancy them to start with, and we said in the previous show, I thought they would they would struggle. Uh, first tournament for seven years, I think it is, something like that. But it just shows you, I think Van Dijk's a huge match for them, especially when they go later in the tournament against stronger teams like a France or a Italy or a Germany. I think I think that's where they will get found out, as, as Callum says. But we just have to wait and see. Sometimes a wee bit of momentum, two wins out of two. If they go three wins out of three into the last 16, confidence will be growing. And, and who knows, on their day, I think, on their day, if, if everybody plays to the best of their ability, they're, they're in with a shout. But... As I said, I think they'll come up a wee bit short, maybe quarter-final, something like that. Callum, how disappointing will this Austria team considering how well they started in the first game? Very disappointing, Scott. And, and we, we spoke off air just before we came on about the fact that David Alaba, of course, is a, is a phenomenal footballer, a world-class player, but he, he really is their main creative player in many senses. I really rate Marcel Sabitzer, who obviously plays at Leipzig. I think he's a player who is shown in European football and, and domestic German football that, that he can pitch in with goals and assists, but he's just not done it in this tournament so far. He's not looked threatening um, for, for large parts of games. And, and Alaba, from the heart of defence, he's seen it at 70-odd minutes in tonight when he goes forward and he has a right a right good effort, that, albeit just goes by the post and obviously doesn't go on target, but it was the most threatening they were all game. And the first game, they looked a better side when he pushed forward and he was able to to, to get on the ball and, and get crosses into the box. So for me, I think they should have moved him further forward earlier um, in the game. And I think having watched his impact in the first game uh, from an offensive point of view, you'd have to be considering putting him into midfield now. I know they might say we've not got the, the defensive stability of players on the bench that can maybe come in and play in that back three and we need him so that we don't concede too many goals defensively. But looking at that tonight, they, they go and concede two goals and if they pushed them forward, m- maybe they would have nicked the first goal in the game rather than going behind. So 
for me, as I say, he's a player I really rate. He's obviously a defender, first and foremost, but <laughs> unfortunately for Austria, he's probably their best defensive player as well, which will be deeply frustrating for them. See, I think, I know to see with, with teams like Austria and Ukraine, to a certain extent, Zinchenko is, is probably one of Ukraine's best players, and I think because of that, they're like, ah, right, we'll have to stick him in the middle of the park, like in a, the heart of the team, and they feel that way. Well, Alvarez maybe not getting to play to the best of his abilities because they're trying to stick him in the, the middle of the park or that way, where because if they've not really got anybody in there, they always find that way with teams with maybe one or two standouts. They're trying to stick them maybe see if it's a, a tricky winger with a bit of pace, they'll stick him up top, or or if it's a good solid maybe a full back or that, they'll stick him in the middle of the park. I don't know if they feel because he's the best player that they'll stick him in the kind of. One of the main positions, I don't know if they, but I always find that kind of takes a wee bit out of their game because they're playing out of position, if you know what I mean. But it's it's a tough one with, with the teams like that. Austria. I mean, as, as Callum said, David Alba is the best player, but he, he, he's, he's, he's not playing balls into Lewandowski and, and Muller and playing with people like Kimmich now. It's, and you've got to feel for them a wee bit, to be honest. But three, they've got three points on the board as well, so... They'll be fancying their chances going into the last game against Ukraine. That'll be a good one to watch. I think. Just, to, just, on, just on that point there, I thought I think that's a great point, Jack. Because I mean, you think of Scotland as well when we were experimenting with formations to try and get the best out of Tierney and Robertson, and aye, there aye. was talk, there was there was talk of playing Robertson as a left winger, and you, and and, and as we see, it eventually breaks down because. He's someone that likes to get on the ball from deep and drive, and, and when we tried that, it didn't work. So I think that's a great point that maybe for some of these coaches, because we all due respect to teams like Austria, they aren't able to command the, the, the best coaches in the world. So they've maybe got a domestic coach who's doing quite well in the Austrian league, and they're thinking, right, I've got this world-class player. What can I do with them? Right, I'll make him the engine room more, as you say, if it's a winger. I'll put him up top, make him the main talisman, and and although on paper it might look good, in reality, these guys kind of at times can look awkward. And although they might produce a wee moment or two of magic, eventually you just think, right, stick them in their natural position. Try and get them on the ball as much as possible and do it that way. Because when you try and make them the stand man and pigeonhole them into this superstar role that they're maybe not used to, it, it doesn't seem to work. I definitely. I, you just don't get the best of their ability, rather than just stick them in their natural position and, and maybe it'll... I'll bring other ones in there. Robertson points perfect. It's just so unfortunate that we've got Tierney and Robertson, probably two of the best players in the position in the league, if no Europe, and and they're both in, in the Scotland squad. You wish sometimes you would get them five or ten years apart so as they can play. One can succeed the other one. We'll move on to tomorrow's games. We'll start off at two o'clock where Sweden take on Slovakia. Shanka, Slovakia have are the, dry, are the main team in the group now they're obviously top of the group with the one against Poland Sweden will be looking to get a win here won't they I, I, I thought Sweden were actually not too bad against Spain no, right there. I mean if you offer them a point against Spain at, at the start they were, they were a bit of your hand off for it they probably the best chance of the game and the boy Isaac is cut it back to I think it was Marcus Berg and it was actually harder to do what he done and put it in the back of the net so I probably feel a wee bit hard done with it. They never come away with, with three points, but on the flip side, Spain had a lot of possession against them. And see, when you've got that amount of possession, you need to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. You can't have, there's no point having 80% possession if, if you're not going to come away with three points, to be honest. I would rather have less possession and be more direct. But Sweden is another team. They're always there or thereabouts. They, they always get the last 16, sometimes quarterfinals of tournaments. So, they're a stuffy team and, and the big boy up front that Sochi had, he, he's been really well for them. And I think we Abramovich not been able to play in the tournament uh, through injury. I think he's kind of stepped up. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the, it's a big blow with his lack of not being at the tournament. But the, but the boy stepped up and it looks a right player. And he'll be one to watch and there'll be plenty of teams keeping an eye on him at this tournament if he keeps their performances up. Definitely. Callum, how do you see Sweden-Slovakia going? I actually fancy Sweden to, to get a win in that game. Uh, again, I, get, I agree with what Shankers is saying in the sense that I know people are, are, are talking about them against Spain, but I think that's the sort of game that if you are Sweden, you, you've got to dig in and you've got to 
to do your best to stay in that sort of game. I know Spain maybe under the, the, the Spain that they were in the past, and a lot of people are talking about them not having that elite striker that they once had years ago to really help drag them over the line. But I think a point against Spain's a really good result. Um, and, and, and as I say, I fancy them. Isaac is always a handful. And, and again, spot on in this point that if Ibrahimovic went to the Euros, we talked about the head coach there in Austria, he'd probably be the first name in the team sheet, even though maybe Isaac could be the better option in terms of tournament football with, with the physicality and the pace that he's still got. So I think it's a great opportunity for him. And, and I think the Slovakia game is a great opportunity for Sweden as well, because they've got a point in the board, win this game and you can put yourself in, a, in, a, in an excellent position because obviously three are going through from, from, from four groups. Yeah, definitely. I fancy Sweden here. I've said before, I think Sweden could be the dark horses. Great point against Spain. Slovakia, obviously, they're coming off a really good result against Poland, but I can see Sweden taking advantage of a point against Spain and going on to win this game. So I'm going to go for 2-0 Sweden. Shankers, have we got a prediction before we move on? I think it'll be similar to the Spain game. I think it'll be pretty stuffy. Slovakia's got, got some good quality in their side as well. And their spirits will be lifted with, with three points against Poland. And real fancy themselves, I, I think, in their position, they've probably got the kind of best fixtures. Kind of one with Poland and Sweden first before Spain in the last one to, to try and maybe get four or six points at the two games. And then Spain one's Spain one kind of takes care of itself almost. You're not expected to win to anything else as a bonus. I, I think Sweden will, will nick it 1-0 and I'll go Isaac will be honest Brilliant we'll move on to the, the game at Hamden in Group D Croatia versus Czech Republic Callum firstly how do you want this game to go and secondly how do you <laughs> think it'll go how do you want it to go um, <laughs> because we lost to the Czechs it's a million dollar question you think do we take do we take this game as a draw and then it gives us more of a chance. But then again, you're thinking like goal difference, etc. Um, for us, obviously, depending on how, how tomorrow goes. I think I think really you're probably, in all honesty, wanting to see the draw. And then there's part of you going, well, maybe if the Czechs win, you maybe focus on England and then Croatia and focus on getting that third place. So I think a defeat for Croatia maybe puts them out of the reckoning, maybe deflates them so that if we can somehow get a positive result at Wembley that we can go into that that game with something really to play for whereas Croatia could be completely deflated uh, with, with two defeats in the bounds but, but overall a draw probably seems like the result that, that that helps us in the sense that if both teams draw tomorrow you're back in England hopefully to beat the Czechs and, and it might bring us back in if we get a positive result and then do something against Croatia so probably a draw but then again maybe a Croatia defeat wouldn't be the worst thing Shankers, how do you see Croatia and the Czech Republic going? I'm just going to say it was a that's a horrible question. That what, how do you want that game to go? Because <laughs> I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to be honest. Uh, it's a tough one. Croatia need to bounce back. Czech Republic, I'll I'll feel it. Like how we felt with Scotland that that was their best chance of getting three points in the group. So, but they'll they'll have a laugh. I don't think Czech Republic were outstanding. No. Against Scotland, like two 0 maybe it looks as if they have played really well. I think they managed the game well. I think they, they took their chances, which they had to. Scotland were probably unfortunate not to score a goal or two. So I think if they if they give like to Croatia and in England in the last game chances like what Scotland gave them, I think they'll get punished. And that's why I think Croatia will, will win the game. I think Croatia's got players like Perisic and Rebic, etc. That that will if they get even half the chances that Scotland got, I think they'll punish Czech Republic, and that's how I see okay, Croatia winning this one. I think Croatia won. I'm going to go for one now. I think it will be Ivan Perisic that will get the goal, but I just I think Croatia will bounce back. As you say, I don't think Czech Republic were outstanding against Scotland. Croatia were pretty poor against England as well. Aye, to be honest, but I think it's, but it's, it's it's a total different level of the opposition you're playing. Uh, that that's the only reason I think. Callum uh, said, said it earlier. Modric can turn the game in its head. Aye, ex- exactly. Uh, it's not somebody that's going to go and beat three players and cut out in the top corner, but he can unlock doors where he's passing. He can break through the lines through the through the back four, and he can probably land the ball in a, a sixpence. So, I think Croatia will, will win that one. I think they've got a wee bit more quality. I think it's 
I don't, as you say, it's the hardest question to ask. How do you want ah, this yeah. to go? Like you, you almost just need to let it take care of itself. Aye. Whatever will be, will be, and just kind of focus in Scotland, try to get something. We'll move on to the big game tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. I don't know if you know this, there is a big game on tomorrow night. <laughs> it's not been talked about very much, but England-Scotland, the oldest international fixture in history, is another tale to tell. We're going to, right, we're going to preview this game, but first of all, Shank has come up with a good question earlier. How do you want Scotland to line up and how do you think Scotland will line up? Shankers, what would your starting 11 be if you were Steve Clark? Right. So, we've got a wee bit of reasoning behind it, right? So, <laughs> if, if I was in the dugout tomorrow with, with the duffel coat on and the Scotland suit and tie, I would be going with Marshall and goals still. Uh, I would go with a back three slash five. So, I'll go three centre halves. I would go with Dominic, Cooper, and Tierney. Okay. I would play Forrest as a right wing back slash right winger. I would play Robertson as a left wing back. I would play Gilmer Holden with Armstrong and McGinn. And I would play Fraser and Adams up. Maybe no as a two, maybe with Adams up and Fraser kind of no. just floating off him to get flick-ons and, and stuff like that. The only reason I think, one of the reasons is nine at the start of 11, playing against these players weekend the Premier League. So I think mm-hmm. that, that helps us as well. They know, they know some of the players and the flip side, their players will know some of the other players like McGinn, etc. And they'll, they'll know that they are up against it uh, on their day. Another thing is, I think every one of the players, I think in games like this, England will have majority of possession, 70%, maybe even higher. So when Scotland get the ball, it's so important that keep the ball because the last thing you want to I've played in games last myself see when you've no much possession see when you get it and you give it away straight away there's nothing worse than them mm-hmm. working so hard to get the ball back and when you get it then give somebody gives it away again and then you're busting your ass to go and get the ball back there's, there's nothing worse than it and so I think you need players who are comfortable in the ball and, and whether you're under pressure or whether you've got all the time in the world I think McDominay, Cooper and Tierney, all at the back, three of them are comfortable with the ball at their feet. Robertson, I don't even need to say that he's comfortable with the ball at his feet, definitely. And Forrest on the right, he's the only one outfield player that, that doesn't play in the Premier League, but he's more than capable of playing in the Premier League. I, I think we'll both agree with that. So, all five of them, three centre-halves and the two kind of wing-backs, they're all comfortable in the ball, whether you're taking it with a man on or whether you've got time. Gilmer, Armstrong, McGinn, Gilmer, you need to keep the ball in a game like this, as I said. Gilmer's so comfortable, it's probably his best asset is keeping the ball, getting off one full back, switching the play. He's got a wee bit of bite about him as well for a wee guy. He can mm-hmm. tackle in, he, he likes to tackle. Armstrong, McGinn, all comfy the ball. Both of them can carry the ball at the pitch when, when Scotland have got it. You need, a, you need a ball carrier in a game like this, when, as I said, when you've not got a lot of the ball to, to gain, to gain metres, to gain yards up the park carry it through they both get legs as I said Adams was impressive when he came on the other night there and Fraser a wee bit of pace I think we lacked a bit of pace on night there against the Jets and I think I think with Mings and even Stones I think if Fraser uh, gets gets a yard on him I think he beats them both for pace so I think if we're going to get any joy in behind we need somebody with a wee bit of pace Adams holding it up linking it and Fraser running in behind for flick-ons or, or through balls in behind so that's how I would line up if I was going to Wembley. Callum, if you were Stevie Clark, what would you do? In, in terms of that team that, that Shankers has picked, I, I would agree with the goalkeeper. Um, I, I would also agree with the with the, the back three slash five. In terms of the middle of the park, um, I think maybe it pains me to say it because I think he has been out of form for, for Celtic for a long part of the season, but I think you would ma- I'd maybe put McGregor in there for being that more defensive option ahead of Armstrong. I think Gilmore absolutely has to start. McGinn has to start. I think McGregor might well come into Clark's thinking. I think for me, Clark will start him tomorrow. I think if I was picking the team, I'd maybe be tempted to put him in or Turnbull in rather than Armstrong, personally. Um, And in terms of the, the two up top, I think 
I, I think Shanker's reasoning for, for Adams and, and Fraser's very good. Um, again, I, I, if it was me, I'd be tempted to go for that, but I think Clark will, will definitely go uh, with Dykes and Adams, uh, personally. So, in terms of that team, as I say, I wouldn't be making too many changes. I, I would def- I would change Armstrong, in my personal opinion. The rest of it, I'd be happy to keep. If, if you were to ask me what I think Steve Clark will do, I think O'Donnell definitely starts, I think McGregor definitely starts, and I think Dykes definitely starts for, for Steve Clark. And I actually think Hanley will start at the heart of that back mm-hmm. three slash five as well. I think that's the four changes uh, to the to, to the teams that Shankers and I are talking about from what we would do, I think that's the changes that Clark will make. I've I've got and when I've wrote what I think Clark will do, I've got Adonis in, I've got Hanley in instead of where McTominay was and if McTominay's in for where Gilmer is. I've put Armstrong playing off Adams and Callum McGregor's and Martin as well because I, I think he'll, he'll play them or I think Scotland McLean heading their feet the night there and it, it's no like coming and Dominic Armstrong, because that's probably one of their biggest assets is a leg. But I thought McGinn was, was really tired. That's probably the first time I've seen him with maybe 20 minutes to go and he looked burnt out. He's normally chasing lost causes at 90 minutes. His manager's probably going to have his head for, like, why are you running like that? But I think it's just his game. I think Paul McGregor will play tomorrow as well. I think I'm not saying a game like this suits him but I, because of the opposition, but I just think he's he'll, he's nailed in people's faces. He'll He'll bite at their ankles, and plus, Al McGregor's got, got quality when he when he plays on the ball as well. He's he's a good a good centre midfield player, and I think he'll definitely play in Steve Clark tomorrow. I think the team's going to be uh, what I would do first. I would play Marshall. I would play a back three of McTominay, Hanley, Tierney, Forrest, Robertson, wing back, and I would go with McGinn. Mc, I would go with McGinn, McGregor, Gilmer, and I would play Adams and Dykes up front. What I, what I think Steve Clark will do is I think he'll play Marshall. I think it'll be a back three of Henry, Hanley and Tierney. I don't think Jack Henry done a lot wrong the other night. No, I mean, I think people he... blaming him for the goal. He, he could have slipped it out wide or he could have maybe clipped in the ball. I think it just... They could do that again nine times and the ball wouldn't break exactly the way it broke. Uh, as maybe uh, a bad decision at the time but I think he was a bit unfortunate the way the ball broke it broke perfectly for them and, and then Marshall's out so I think he is a wee bit harsh if he, if he gets put out of the team but I think see, see when a defender gets took off in a game and they're, they're like a tournament football or, or whatever I think when the defender gets took off obviously I had to go for the game so he's took a defender off but hobbled on but nine times out of ten the one that comes off you, you don't see them like reappearing in, in the next mm-hmm. game, especially as it's so soon. But who knows? I think the biggest certainty of the of the day is Stephen O'Donnell will play right wing back. I think, uh, I think, I think he will play. Clark's a wee bit. I don't know. If stubborn's the word. I think it's exactly see, the word. See, see how like people are coming out and criticising him for his performance, and whether it's right or wrong. I think Steve Clark's one of the ones. Right. Well, I'll almost make a point and I'll play him again. Same with Marshall. I think Marshall would have played anyway, but. People, people calling for him to be dropped or whatever. It's his fault for the goal, whether it's right or wrong. But I think Steve Clark's almost like that. Like he trusts him. Aye. And in the qualifying and stuff like that, I don't know done no wrong. I'd give Clark no reason not to trust him. I just think they will be there in a game. I think he just looked a wee bit out of his depth, and and that's the only reason I would change it. I just, I think when you're playing with with wing backs and you've no get any attacking wingers, I think you need full backs to gain attacking qualities and Robertson's obviously got that in abundance I just didn't think O'Donnell offered as much marking wise on the right hand side and as I said when he's not got a maybe is that if he, they were playing a four and they had a right winger in front of him it might be better because he can give the winger the ball and the winger does that job but I just think you need to have a wee bit of both and that's why I would play Forrest but I, I do think O'Donnell start I think O'Donnell Robertson starts in the wing back positions McGinn, McTominay, McGregor will play in the middle of the park, I think. Adams and Dykes up front, I think well, I can see. I think we're all kind of pretty much agreeing on that. Callum, and from an England point of view, what are we hoping that England... How, how do we hope England set up? I hope that Harry Maguire comes back into the England team. Um, I know there's, Maguire said he's fit, Southgate's confirmed he'll play a part in the game. I want to see him come back in because he's not played football for a, a decent period of time. I also think he is susceptible to 
to pace. So I think it's vital that that we get the ball to an Adam Zora, as, as um, Shankers has said. If, if, if Maguire, if you think Maguire's starting, maybe that is a game to fire Fraser in and, and yep. get him in behind because Maguire, as we've seen time and time again for Man United, pace is his real weakness. So I think if he's playing, I hope he's playing, I think that's what we need to target. I also think it's vital that we can be solid enough defensively that we can allow Andy Robertson to hopefully punish Kyle Walker um, in the sense that Walker, if he's starting, which I think he will, likes to push very high. I think when if the game's played at a Premier League level of physicality, you have a shot, we have a shot, I think Walker will be all right. He's kind of, he's kind of performs well in that kind of game. If England dominate the ball, he's somebody that can actually switch off quite easily. And I think that's where we need to be ready to pounce because I know he's got great recovery pace, but but he is prone to, to pushing far too high up the park, in my opinion. That's something that I think was a weakness of him when he was at Tottenham. I don't really think he's, he's overly addressed since he's went to City. So I, I think England, if you're asking me how I think they'll set up, um, I think you'll have Pickford and goal, you'll have Walker at right back, you will have Maguire and Stones at the heart of defence. I think you'll bring in Ben Chilwell. I don't know he played Trippier in that first game, but I think he's got to play either Shaw or Chilwell yeah. because he needs to keep the, the 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 sort of unit of the squad happy. So he has to play one of those. Chilwell's just won the Champions League. Shaw was was one of the best players at Man United. I think he will. A lot of people are saying they think he'll go adventurous and he's he's midfield too. I, I don't. I think he'll continue with Rice and Phillips because for me. He's no daft Southgate. I know he gets a lot of stick from certain elements, but I, I think he will recognise that Scotland will be up for this game and will be ferocious. You think of again breaking the lines. I think I think he will give Scotland a wee bit of respect by having those two players in there. I think Grealish will definitely come in at the England team. My big fear is if Adorno starts, they'll just say to Grealish, go right up against him and run at him and run at him and run at him. So I think Grealish will come in. I think he'll maybe drop Phil Foden out for Grealish. So I think you'll have Grealish. Um, Mount and obviously you've got Kane up top and then the other midfield position I've, I've, the, the name has just escaped me who started them the other day Sterling. again Sterling sorry so Sterling Mount and Grealish behind Kane up front I can see England starting with a similar back four I think Pickford will obviously start Walker Stones Maguire I think Shaw will go in just for can I, can, I think Shaw they'll maybe Go with more a defensive option than Chilwell. I might be wrong, but I can just, I think, would you say Callum Shaw was a better performer than Chilwell this season? Uh, absolutely, in my yeah. opinion, I think Shaw was, was hard, for me, he was the best left back in the right. Premier League last season. If you were asking me going forward, I would still be maybe biased and say Robertson and Tierney, in my opinion, are better players than Shaw and Chilwell. But I think uh, last season, he's mm-hmm. definitely, for yeah. me, he was, he was the best left back on form last season. Mm-hmm. I think Shaw will play. I think Rice and Phillips will play as well. I can, I'm seeing this. I, I'm seeing Rashford, Sterling, Kane, front Stephen Mount, and behind them. I think Grealish and Foden could come off the bench. I think Grealish is a stick on to start. Do you? Uh, he's Rashford. got to start him. He's got I, to start I think, him. I think he did. I just think for for the way they play, I don't think Foden was was very good the other day there. I think that's why it's all it's an easy decision for to drop him. Sterling scored, so I don't think Sterling gets dropped. I think Grealish either play Sterling maybe go to the right where Foden was. Grealish play in the left, or Grealish will play maybe in front of the two where Mount played the other day. There, I, I really Grealish played in both friendlies and all. I think he was very harsh to be dropped in the. Do you think he's been saved for this game? I think this game suits him to an absolute tee. Uh, he's he's so good with the ball. That, I was talking about McGinn and Armstrong carrying the ball forward. Jack Grealish, right. he, he must be a nightmare to play against. You don't I know where he's coming in, where he's going to. He can carry the ball, he can just pop it around a bit. He's, he's so good that I think he's he's one of the best in the league. And I, I think he's a stick on to start tomorrow, to be honest. It's, it's him behind Sterling and Kane feeding their balls through he'll take the ball he's one of the players that's confident. he's so confident he'll go and take the ball anywhere in the pitch I, th- I think he definitely plays tomorrow Callum why are you so confident Grealish starts? I just think with Southgate um, there's been talk that there was a wee bit of needle between them when they were at the under 21s he took ages to call him up and then I think since he's been called up the England squad he's been man of the match and 
actually Aye. most of the games he's played. Aye. He played in the two warm-up games. Croatia, I can I can understand why he's played Foden, obviously coming off the back. I know he lost the Champions League final, but coming off the back of that, uh, maybe more match fit. He's obviously, he went for the, the, the Gaza haircut, give him the chance to maybe put himself in the front of the papers for the right reasons. By scoring the goal, obviously, he doesn't do that. I think, I think Grealish is the sort of guy that you bring in uh, in terms of his ability to carry the ball, but even just in terms of personality, he's the sort of player that backs himself. He's very confident in his own ability. This is the sort of game where you need a player with a big personality who isn't going to be overawed by the occasion. And for me, Grealish, it pains me to say it, but I think he's... Just, if I was picking that England team, he'd be my first name in the team sheet for this game. I think he's, he's got that personality to take the ball in any position. And if he's up against someone like an O'Donnell, he would, he'll be relishing that battle all day long because he's someone who can create something out of nothing. And, and I just think he has to start from an England point of view. If, if that's who, uh, if, you, if you're an England fan, you, you, for me, you want him in that team sheet because, as I say, he's got the personality to take this game by the, by the bull by the horns. And I think, for me, I hope he doesn't start, but I think he'll be the first name in the team sheet for a game like this. I think Southgate could bring a few changes, to be honest. You've got to remember, I know heat and all that is a factor. Again, they've got three games in, in what, seven or eight days or something like that as well. I think this is that's the reason why they've got a big squad like that. And England are similar to the other top teams. You're, you're bringing in like for like, Grealish for Foden, Mount for Bellingham, uh, Sterling for Rashford. It's like for like, it's... I think England could play a lot of different formations and combinations and and the team would just be strong. So I think that's one of the, the things that they're blessed with is ability in all the positions and that's why I think it will change it the more. Uh, whether, whether Henderson even comes in, Jordan Henderson could come in. I'll not be for Phillips because Phillips was a stick out the other day. Mm. Actually, I actually done a wee bit of disservice. I didn't realise... Alan Phillips was as, as good as he was whether he tried his rice for Henderson I think Maguire will come in and I think one of the left backs will play as well so it's going to be a tough one as I said no matter who plays it, it's going to be really really tough for uh, for scoring it's a they've gave themselves an uphill battle losing to Czech Republic but I don't know let's just go and enjoy it and, and see what happens sometimes when there's no pressure on, on them to do anything the, the strangest things happen. Callum, how do we see the game going? Hart says we're going to win uh, by one goal, whether that's 1-0 or 2-1. Unfortunately, the head says I think England, over the piece in 90 minutes, will be too strong and I think they'll, they'll win by two goals. I think, they'll, I think they'll maybe win 3-1 because I just think when you look at England's bench and you look at the options that he's got to, to, to sort of bring on, I mean, you look at the bench for that Croatia game, I know obviously we're talking about Grealish starting, but say, say he went unchanged, you could have Grealish coming off the bench, Rashford coming off the bench, Bellingham coming off the bench, you know, and even even guys like Calvert-Lewin who've scored goals at a high level. Um, I think he's got plenty of options that he can he can use to change the game. I think he's able to change formation within game as well due to the personnel he's got. So I just worry that we, we talked about the importance of Tierney the other day, the fact that he, when you found out he wasn't in the team, your heart sank a wee bit. Uh, England, for me, have, they've got so many options that if you if you woke up tomorrow morning and you heard that Declan Rice was at the team or, or um, Walker was out the team, I don't think it would overly change England fans' minds. I think they've got enough strength and depth to, to be able to cope with that, whereas we really don't. I mean, if we woke up in the morning and found that Robertson wasn't fit or or Tierney, then again, you'd be panicking or, or McTominay. Yeah. So I think it's important to to remember that this England side is a really good side. I think we can cause them problems. Head tells me they'll have too much for us, but heart tells me we're going to win by the one goal and we're going to shock people. Shankers, what's your thoughts? Similar to Callum. I mean, you've got to... Is, is a I like that's the good thing about obviously Rangers is my club team. But the good thing about Scotland and Fallen's or no Fallen Scotland but supporting Scotland is you've got that element a the underdog story in, in tournaments or, or whether it's how to qualify. So the, you've got to be a bit optimistic uh, in the games like this or what would be the point in, what would be the point in actually watching to start with. I I, I think we can cause them problems. I, I don't think their defence is 
Stones had a great season, but I think to the to the end, towards the end of the season, he kind of started like falling off a wee bit. Uh, as as Callum said, Maguire's no no played a lot of football recently. Shaw is at the top season, but I still think he can be exploited at times, and, and Walker as well. So I think if if there is uh, any chance at a result, I think we need to exploit the areas, and, and whether it's Fraser starting or whether it's getting balls in the box to Dykes and, and playing off second balls or, or just being very physical up there with Dykes and Adams. I think the goalie isn't the strongest department either. I think whether you get balls on top of him for crosses or corners or or even try and get a few shots away and test them. I, I think it's going to be tough. But I'm a bit like Callum. My, my heart says we can win by the odd goal or, or even get a draw. Uh, my, my head says England is just too strong. Say, say we go to half-time and, and we're up by a goal or, or it's a draw and England only playing great. They can just they can make they can three changes like, like that. Right. And bring on, say they're unchanged, they bring on Rashford, Grealish, even Calvert-Lewin or Henderson or Bellingham. I mean, we've we've just no got that, uh, that fortune, to be honest. And that's that's the thing when you're up against these these teams. Uh, although it's the old enemies, you say, and, and, a, and a big kind of uh, rivals match, it's... You've got to give them a bit of respect. They are they are a top top side, and it's going to be difficult. Heart says one with odd goal or a draw, but my head says England could be comfortable, and and maybe this column says one be one be two or three goals. I just don't I just don't want to sit in and be be negative no. and still lose one nil. Mm-hmm. I I know you don't want to go and get cuffed, but I think I would rather. Scotland went and had a bit of a goal. I don't want to keep one now and say, oh, oh, I wish we had a goal or I wish we had done that. I think it's it's a it's a one-off tournament game done, done in England at, at Wembley. But why not go for it and, and throw everything at it and, and leave no regrets in the pitch and, and that's all we can ask for. Final score prediction, Shankers? I'll go 1-0 Lyndon Dykes header. Massive call, massive call. A, Mark I would love to be sitting here in 24 hours' time with a big grin in my face saying, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Callum, push your final score prediction for tomorrow's game. I'm going to go 2 1, and I think the goals for us are going to come from Adams and McGinn. Very good. I'm going to go for a draw. I think Scotland have got enough to get a draw. I'm Going a bit with Hart there because I don't. I think this England team of just there's there's some. Would you take a draw right now, Scott? And an absolute and an absolute heartbeat. I'd take a draw, but I I agree. I think it's an absolute heartbeat. You take a draw because of how disadvantaged you are. They're at Wembley, as you say. This England team's full attacking talent. Hold them off, nick a goal. Then I think you can't ask for any more than that. And then you take the last game and say. A home game against you're Croatia. Gonna, you're going to have a bit of a boost. You're going to have a positive result. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I would, I would bite your hand off for a draw. Then definitely. Brilliant. But it's going to be one of those games where we're just going to cherish it. It's one of those games we've all three of us, I think, have have waited for for years. We've heard stories about Euro '96 things like that. This is just a moment to cherish everyone. Please. See, see, the only yeah. thing I've not really seen much about Euro '96 on the Who scored the goal? Who scored the winning goal? Oh my god! <laughs> I've seen somebody saying they've seen Gascoigne's goal mill and they've seen the family in the last year. <laughs> it, it, it is pretty true, to be honest. It's everywhere. I don't know the amount of times I've seen that just bottle getting spotted all over his face. I think it's just, it's just, it is just kind of memories as well. I think it's just. It is, but also... It's way too much, It's way too much. Part of them loving Robin Robin Aye, definitely. Actually, I'm not old enough to remember it. I think I'm another two times away from seeing that goal from thinking they won that tournament. Brilliant, but it's going to be, as I say, it's one of those games we just need to watch and enjoy, try and enjoy it. Callum, thank you very much for being a special guest in tonight's show. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on. Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. Where can we find Football CFB? 
If you can follow on Twitter at Football CFB, I'm on there myself at Callum CFB. And, and as I say, if you if you follow the Twitter page, podcasts, articles, etc., uh, you'll find them on there. And there's an article with yourself coming up very soon mm-hmm. with one of your writers, Colin Byers. Brilliant. Yeah, can I recommend Callum's content enough? Shankers, absolute pleasure as always. No, pleasure's all mine. As I always say, to you, talking about football is, is a good passion of mine. So, so I know sometimes you kind of get me to shut up, but it's just, <laughs> just because I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much for watching and listening, everybody. As always, we will be back tomorrow night with our first review of the Scotland-England game. Tune in on all our social media accounts and follow us on YouTube. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Thank you.